Hey guys, and welcome back to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. It's Sheridan here, head of nutrition at Coach Mark Carroll, and we don't have a Coach Mark Carroll here today. And that's really because we are talking about a topic that I am very passionate about, that I've spent a lot of time researching and learning. And, you know, these are it's a condition that a lot of my clients that I work with have, and that is polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. Now, the reason that I am so passionate about this is because we are reaching a period of time where PCOS is, you know, there's more awareness about the condition and it's so prevalent among, uh, you know, more women than you think. And many years ago, we didn't really know too much about it. And it left a lot of women feeling very unheard and very unseen. And, you know, if you have the condition or you know anyone with the condition, you'll know that it can affect quality of life. Uh, it can affect really important health markers like cardiovascular health and your metabolic health and also fertility. So as, you know, a coach who helps women along this you know, their journeys of PCOS and helping many women who have PCOS, um, you know, conceive or improve insulin resistance and, you know, all the things that sort of can come alongside having the syndrome. Um, I just wanted to share some of the strategies that I use with women to improve some of the symptoms that women with PCOS experience. So, in this episode, we are going to be talking about what PCOS is, what it isn't, and uh, some of the signs and symptoms and some of the nutritional strategies that you can use in order to help some of those symptoms. So first off, let's start with what is PCOS? So polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now there is a really common misconception that if you have polycystic ovaries, you automatically have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is not the case. You can have polycystic ovaries, but not have the syndrome. And really the syndrome is what creates many of the problems that women with PCOS face, you know, cardiovascularly, um, metabolically, and in terms of fertility. So PCOS is diagnosed based off of the Rotterdam criteria, which states that you must have two of the three characteristics that form a diagnosis for PCOS. And that is polycystic ovaries are present. You may have oligo or anovulation, which means that you don't ovulate or ovulation is um, not what's the word I'm looking for? I've had, I've had a bit of a mind blank here, people. Um, it's not regular. And then we've got hyperandrogenism, which is just a fancy way of saying elevated testosterone levels. So when we think about testosterone, it's generally the hormone that is uh, highest in men. Of course, women have testosterone and it plays a lot of very important roles in women, but it's generally not the high, you know, the, the main hormone of um, females. And then we've got, you know, when we think about testosterone being elevated, it means that there is a dysregulation in uh, the main female 
hormones like estrogen and progesterone. So you need to have two of the three characteristics, which means that you can technically not have polycystic ovaries at all and have oligoanovulation or elevated androgens and you actually fit the criteria of PCOS. Likewise, you can have polycystic ovaries and not have the other two criteria, and that means you don't actually fit into the syndrome. So the name is kind of misleading. But the signs and symptoms of PCOS are missed periods, irregular periods, or very light periods. And this really comes back to the oligo or an ovulation, because when we think about what ovulation is, it's essentially an egg implanting into the endometrium to potentially be fertilized by a sperm, which leads to pregnancy. And when that doesn't happen, the endometrium will shed and it leads to a woman having a period. So if a woman doesn't ovulate or her she regulates she, she ovulates um her ovulation is irregular then she's going to have missed periods irregular periods or very light periods so ovaries that are large or have many cysts you may have excess body hair including the chest stomach and back and this is what's called hertuism um, and this comes back to the elevated androgen levels you may have male pattern baldness or thinning hair and um, insulin resistance is actually very prevalent in uh, PCOS. And this is really where a lot of the issues with uh, cardiovascular changes occur and metabolic health changes occur. And the insulin resistance seen in PCOS is actually different to insulin resistance seen in, say, type 2 diabetes. And that is because the insulin resistance in PCOS occurs because of hertuism, which is the elevated androgen levels. So it is caused by high levels of androgens being testosterone, which lead to those male characteristics like excessive hair growth. Now, I'm not going to go into the complex nature of how this works because it is very, very complex. But at the end of the day, it's a bit of a, a cycle and it's a vicious cycle because um, increased blood glucose levels because of insulin resistance worsen androgen levels in women with PCOS. So when insulin resistance occurs and uh, blood glucose levels are high, it worsens the androgen. So those elevated testosterones increases um, in free testosterone. And basically, again, it is a vicious cycle. So when we think about how nutrition can support women who have PCOS, if we can uh, improve insulin resistance, then we improve the cycle. If insulin resistance is improved, blood glucose levels are improved, and that means androgens are improved. And then that just sort of snowballs into improving all of the negative effects that women with PCOS have. And I certainly don't want to make this sound like it is as simple as, you know, let's just click our fingers and make it happen. It is a hard process to go through and it requires, you know, um, a lot of lifestyle change. But my point is that 
there is a lot from a nutritional perspective that we can be doing. And that's what I really just want to go through now with you. So how do we improve these symptoms? So insulin resistance is improved by a reduction in BMI and waist to hip ratio. So basically losing fat. If you have lean PCOS, which is, is common, so um, there's a, another common misconception that women have PCOS because they may be overweight, and that's just simply not true. So if you are on, you know, the, if you do have lean PCOS and you're in within a healthy body fat percentage, then decreasing your BMI to, you know, the lower range of what's normal might be helpful. We never want to go beyond that, but decreasing it to that, that lower end may be helpful. So a calorie deficit is obviously required if you are going to lose fat. <clears throat> and by doing this, we improve insulin resistance and again, improve androgen profiling. Other things that can help with PCOS are consuming a high protein diet. So it's been shown that women with PCOS have a deranged uh, level of protein oxidation, which means that during sleep, their body inappropriately chooses the incorrect fuel source. So instead of choosing something like fat as a, a, a fuel source for energy when you're asleep, that it will preferentiate protein, which means that women who have PCOS are at higher risk of losing lean body mass or muscle mass during an overnight fast. So it's more important for women with PCOS to be consuming a higher protein diet. So, you know, if you're, um, I say around 1.6 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight, if you're at maintenance, you can go to the lower end of that. If you're in a deficit, I would stick to the higher end of that. And a bolus of protein just before bed might be beneficial because we see that it's during that overnight fast that that dysregulation in choosing the appropriate energy source actually occurs. And it's really interesting because including fruit um, toward the end of during that meal just before bed can actually improve protein oxidization levels. So consuming around 15% of your daily uh, intake of calories from fruit at the end of the day may help this overnight fast. Now, the next thing is aiming for lower GI foods. Now, another very common misconception with PCOS is that you must go low carb. And this really, you know, it comes from the insulin resistance being if you can decrease the amount of carbohydrates you eat, you're going to decrease how much your insulin is spiked. And therefore, it's just the, the you know, the, the solution to everything is the word that I'm looking for. And this, this isn't true. So no, going very low carb in PCOS can actually be more detrimental. So a, a low-fat ketogenic diet can actually worsen insulin resistance due to something called intramyocellular lipid 
accumulation, which is a very long and fancy word, but really all that saying, you know, intra, so within myocellular being muscle, lipid being fat accumulation. So within the muscle fat accumulation. And this can actually, again, make symptoms of PCOS worse. So we don't want to go low carb, high protein and, you know, stay there forever. What women with PCOS would benefit from is, like I said, a low GI diet. So a low glycemic index or low glycemic load diet. Having a diet that is high in fiber and whole grains is positive for insulin resistance and for elevated uh, blood glucose levels. Having a diet that is high in protein and low in refined sugars. And when we think about other things that might help or do help insulin resistance, exercise and resistance training helps insulin resistance. So it's really important to be moving continuously throughout the day. There's even a really great research that shows that, you know, we, we're always aiming for this special number of daily steps, but when are, how are we getting those daily steps in? Is it all at once or are we regular, regularly moving throughout the day? Because regular movement throughout the day is shown to be able to manage blood sugar levels a lot better than if you were to just do it all at once. So a myth, another myth outside of going low carb is that you need to remove gluten and dairy from your diet. And this in the research is just simply not supported. If you are not celiac or you do not have an intolerance to dairy, then you do not need to cut out these foods. The next thing that I just want to cover is that many women will say that they feel like it's really impossible to lose fat when they have PCOS. And there is a study that shows that women with PCOS had a down regulation of their basal metabolic rate by up to 40%, meaning that they required 40% less calories than what would otherwise be predicted to maintain their BMR. And there haven't been studies that can correlate that or that confirm that. There have been other studies that looked at this being like, well, we just didn't, we didn't have those findings. And it's really interesting because as a, as a coach who works with many, many women with PCOS, I anecdotally notice that my my PCOS clients have very adaptive metabolisms, meaning that I need to get them to a suckier place to lose fat. And the amount of calories that they require during a cut are much lower than I would predict if I were to use, say, a normal TDE e calculator. So there needs to be more research around that. But I think that that really just ties into a lot of women who have PCOS 
might feel really unheard and under, misunderstood from coaches that they've worked with previously because it, it is, it can be harder. And this is, again, this is anecdotally just from my experience as a coach that it's harder for them to lose fat. And that's not everyone with PCOS. And that's, again, not solidified in the research, but uh, I think that we need to be a little bit more compassionate with women who have PCOS and understand that it is a complex condition. So the last thing that I just want to finish on really is that PCOS and endometriosis are not one in the same. They aren't the same condition and therefore should not be treated as the same condition. It is true that some women who have endometriosis also have PCOS, but they are two very, very different conditions. Endometriosis is a condition that affects many women like PCOS, but it has many different other characteristics and negative effects on women than PCOS does. So PCOS, you know, the insulin resistance really is that driving force but, um, for all of the negative effects that could happen with PCOS. Endometriosis is a debilitating Ill, uh, condition within itself, but it doesn't have that uh, insulin resistance. So often the metabolic health markers and the cardiovascular health markers may not be as significant in endometriosis, um, though there are many other things that are quite significant in that. So to wrap it up, guys, if you want to, you know, coach people who have PCOS, if you have PCOS, then there's a few things that you can be doing. Consume a low GI diet. This doesn't mean low carb. Consume a high protein diet. Consume a bolus of protein and a serving of fruit just before bed to improve protein oxidization. So when you think about what's the best thing you probably have, it's like Greek yogurt and some berries. And that's probably one of my favorite desserts anyway. Make sure that you are engaging in regular physical activity, um, whether that be resistance training. Some people ask is, if HIIT is better or worse. I think it's just more so about finding something that you will stick to because movement is beneficial for everyone, but especially in PCOS because of that insulin resistance. If you need to, if, if you're on a higher um, BMI ratio, then looking at losing fat might improve insulin resistance. And if you have lean PCOS, it might be worthwhile trying to aim for that lower level of BMI. Again, never going beyond that, but that may be helpful in improving insulin resistance. And if you have PCOS, I just want to say that, you know, it, it is a very misunderstood condition and it's, it can be really tough. So I hope that you have a supportive community around you. I hope that, you know, maybe if, if you're struggling to have someone understand what you're going through, it might be helpful for them to listen to this podcast. But wherever you are in your journey, I hope that this podcast has been helpful for you. And as always, guys, if you got something out of this, I would absolutely love for you to share it. 
And to wrap it up, today is the final day that you can get into the challenge for the early bird price. So this podcast will be going out today. I'm very efficient, but if you want to get on it, it will be ending today, but you will have another few weeks to sign up for the challenge. So join thousands of people who have changed their life through the challenge and remember that Every challenge provides you with a new training program. It is never, ever, ever the same. So you can go from one challenge to the next and there's lots of different options that you can choose from. So we hope to see you in there, guys, and we'll catch you next week.